books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Jonathan. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Tim. This is Wayne. This is Jonathan. So, is it old Jonathan or is it Jonathan Classic? <laughs> <laughs> it's retroactive Jonathan. <laughs> Retro Jonathan. Oh, so it's going to suck? And he's filler. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a one shot. <laughs> Welcome back, Jonathan. Uh, it's good to be back finally. Well, we're we're glad to have you. So you're uh, now living in Florida, right? Yeah, beautiful Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. So you're retired? Is that is that <laughs> what, uh, what you've done? I'm waiting, apparently waiting. retired from buying comics. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm waiting to die at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, uh, I, I, you know, so you're starting to eat dinner what around four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, you know, you've got your your canasta. You know, hey, uh, why do you think I was able to get up this early? <laughs> I'm in bed by eight. I, yeah, exactly. So you know. Welcome back to the show, Jonathan. The highlight of his week is 60 minutes on Sunday. That's, <laughs> that's very sad. <laughs> well, Matlock's, Matlock Marathon, I'm in. So no. Jonathan's on East Coast time like me now. Yeah. This ain't no 8 o'clock time frame for him anymore. That's why he's awake. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he does seem remarkably lucid this morning. So, that if he moved to London, he'd be on time every week too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, did that Andrew guy leave anything in his office that we need to ship to him? I, I went through all the drawers and uh, took everything I wanted, so I think we're good. Uh, okay. It wasn't the first time Paul has gone through Andrew's drawers either. Oh, heyo! <laughs> but it's the first time I found anything. So. <laughs> Aww, he's, like a, he's like a Ken doll down there. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's more like a Barbie doll, really. <laughs> here, if you if you push his belly button, he talks in a Smurf voice. Paul, yes. There's some movies that came out this week. Indeed, and I know so, that that uh, you went to see Fright Night. I did. It was a debate all day because. So here's the thing. Let me tell you my life story. So there's a buddy of mine who always gets excited about movies coming out. Uh, you know, especially horror movies. So he's like, oh, we got to see Fright Night or, oh, we got to see Captain America. And, you know, so I'm like, OK, let's go see them. And he's like, OK, you know, we'll go see it opening weekend. And then he reads like a single negative review. And he's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to see it anymore. Maybe we'll catch it a couple weeks down the line. I'm like, you know, I'm an impatient fuck. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to see it opening night. Right. So basically what I do is I either see it and if it's good then I won't say anything and I'll go see it twice if he ever gets around to watching it. Yeah. Or if it sucks, I'll say, you know, I saw it. It sucks. It's not wait for you. <laughs> it's your own fucking fault for canceling on me. Right. So, you know, he did that with Fright Night. You know, I was all game to see it this weekend. And, you know, like Wednesday, he emails me and he's like, eh, you know, um, the reviews I've read are mixed. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we can catch it for $5 during the week, but not this week or next week, maybe in about three weeks. <laughs> like you know i don't want to see it at the second hand you know right, movie right. Theater. i want to see it in 3d so um seriously you wanted to see it in 3d it was filmed in 3d 
So if a movie's actually filmed in 3D, I don't mind seeing it in 3D. Okay. Um, and I have to say, it's actually worth seeing in 3D. But because um, it's one of those films where shit flies out at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know there was so. It was Friday, and I'm like, eh, maybe I should go see Conan. You know, I'm sure Tim's going to see Conan, or someone's going to see Conan, and we could talk about it on the podcast. But I really want to see Fright Night. Yeah. And so basically, now, the wife was the deciding factor in now, that one. Now stop right there. Yes. You know, Fright Night's a remake of the original film from 1980 something, and uh, you know, starring Chris Sarandon, Roddy McDowell, and whoever that guy was. Um, <laughs> William Ragsdale. But yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and what did you think of the original film? I love it. The original film is absolutely one of my favorite films. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I am that, very that, fond of that first movie. So you know, going in, I had you know, I had that preconceived notion. I, w- I was hoping it would be different enough to be enjoyable, but I love the original Fright Night, and I'm not, you know, <laughs> the day of me being opposed to remakes at this point. I mean, I think Hollywood beat it out of me. You know, they're like, you're gonna fucking like remakes because that's all we're gonna make. So. I just decided to go in, you know, mind open and enjoy it. And I got to say, I loved it. I mean, I thought it was really damn good. And, uh, you know, it, it's vastly different than the original. Um, I, I would say, you know, almost the entire movie of the original is wrapped up in the first 20 minutes of this film. Oh, really? It just veers off on its own direction for the rest of the movie. Wow. Um, extremely well done. It's written by Marty Noxon, who um, was one of the writers on Buffy and Angel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of that type of humor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting's good. It has uh, playing in Peter Vincent, who was uh, Roddy McDowell in the original. Right. Is David Tennant in this one. Oh, yeah. Doctor okay. Who. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the previews looked really good, and I didn't even recognize David Tennant until the second preview came out. Yeah, he, I mean, you know, he he wears like this fake goatee and stuff, and he takes it all off, so he does look like David Tennant eventually. Um, but when you first see him, you won't recognize him. But he's funny. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of humor to the film, and just like the original, you know, it's it, there's a lot of humor, but it's also very, um, you know, very. It's got a lot of horror in it as well, and there's a lot of blood. It's a lot of gore. It definitely earns its R rating. Uh, you know, when blood comes flying out in 3D, it, it's just really a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it has uh, McLovin in it, playing Evil Ed. If you've seen the original, uh-huh. you know you know the original Evil Ed ended up going right. into gay porn. Right. So they have uh, <clears throat> McLovin, who now is uh, destined to go into gay porn. I'm assuming <laughs> under the name McLovin. Awesome. That's a good porn name. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. It's a good gay porn name. Yeah. Um, but no, I enjoyed it, and I, I actually recommend seeing it in 3D because, uh, like I said, it was actually filmed in 3D. I'm sorry, are you recommending that you see gay porn in 3D? Is that what you were recommending? <laughs> no, Fright Night. Oh. See Fright Night in 3D, because <laughs> it was actually filmed in 3D. It was meant to be in 3D. It's not one of those post-conversion jobs right. like Clash of the Titans um, or Captain America. But uh, apparently Conan was actually filmed in 3D, too. So I'm, I think I might actually see that in 3D. Well, I am just as excited as I can be about Conan. I'm gonna not going to get to see it until I think around the same time that Tim's going to see it. Tim's going to see it, I think, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, that's we about- also know that Wayne's not going to see it because his wife doesn't like movies on historical events. So, one <laughs> <laughs> hands out. Nice. I, now, I just, I just have never cared about Conan. Oh man, I'm so horny for this movie. I, I just, I can't wait. I, I, I just love Conan. 
I, I, I might have fanboy picked at number one in the box office this weekend. I'm going to lose a bunch of points, but I don't care. <laughs> I had too much love. Yeah, I can't wait. It looks so good. So, Paul, you kind of cost me there. I'm just saying. Sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, you know what? Maybe if I get a chance, I'll see it tomorrow. There you go. But Bankroll that, that shit. That, that's what I do for you, Tim. Right, thank you. I had an issue at the movie theater last night, though. Uh-oh. Yes. So I've been talking a lot about the Cinebistro, right? Um, so now that I've named them, they're officially never going to sponsor us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were, we were in talks, so. Yeah. <laughs> so th- that shit gets scrapped here because they were on Groupon this week. And they said tw- and it, and the, the deal was $12 for two movie tickets and a popcorn. Damn good deal nowadays. So I bought three of them. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see Fright Night using this. So I walk up to the box office, and I'm like, two for Fright Night. And I slide down my coupon. And they say, oh, we can't use this for 3D movies. I'm like, well, I figured there would be an upcharge. You know, can I just pay the extra? And they said, no, no, we don't even have that option. So every new movie that came out this week was in 3D. And you were on Groupon two days ago, and the coupons that thousands of people bought aren't good for any of the new movies that you're playing right now. Or half of the movies on their screens, really. Because, I mean, half the movies that they play are in 3D. Right. So, very frustrating for me. You know, instead I ended up paying $14 a ticket instead of, you know, nice. $12 total. Yet another reason why 3D sucks. <laughs> you know, if I just it was very frustrating to me because it didn't say that anywhere on the coupon or on the website or else I would have said, you know. Now, I have a uh, – what you should have done, Paul – is you should have required that the manager say to you, Cinebistro fucks their customers. I'm going to put it on the internet. <laughs> just say, Cinebistro fucks their customers. That's all you do. <laughs> this week's episode officially sponsored by Cobb Cinebistro. <laughs> yeah, that's balls. That's but uh, speaking of movies... <laughs> well, you know... I, we went and saw because I've got a, I've got a gripe as well. We went and saw Rise of the Planet of the Apes last week, and we did not go to our similar cinema suites thing, which is like your Cinebistro. Um, we instead went to the regular movie theater, and people brought little kids into Planet of the Apes, and so you had the the irritating, you know, why is he doing that? What's he doing? You know, those kinds of questions. You know, run, What does that run. have to do with kids, man? That sounds like my mom. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you, the you movie have, does show that the kids of the elderly are kind of similar. They are very similar. But, uh, you know, so you had all of these kind of questions going on because, you know, they're not understanding that there's not a whole lot of dialogue with, you know, things being communicated via facial expression. And then, you know, when the apes start acting out, the kids are, start freaking out, you know, and it's scaring these small children that are in the theater. And I'm like, God dang it. You know, I wish people would use their freaking brain before they, you know, they, they, they took their kids to movies because, you know, it was a, it was a little intense, a little emotionally intense for the children's because, you know, you've got those scenes where, where the, the, the apes are, uh, you know, all cuddly and friendly and then, you know, rampaging. <laughs> <laughs> All you gotta do is tell them, well, kids, as long as they're behind the bars in the zoo, it's okay. But you gotta wait. You gotta be careful. Because if they ever break out, that's what they're gonna goddamn do. That's right. <laughs> that's not if, it's when. Yeah. Yeah, now yeah. I want to go to the zoo to see if there are a bunch of kids freaky out at the ape house. Well, you know, PG 13 is the new G rating, apparently. So. Apparently. 
you know, with R being the new PG. Because I see kids like that all the time in fucking R-rated movies. Yeah, drives me crazy. Not last night, of course, because, you know, probably because their par- their coupons didn't work for their parents to get yeah. them the movie. <laughs> <laughs> parents were like, I'm not paying $14 for my six-year-old to see this movie. To come see the R-rated Fright Night. To come see the R-rated Fright Night. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, frustrating. So, Tim, you had a conversation this week about a, 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 a comic book movie yourself, didn't you? Yeah, I had a I have a, I had a buddy that um, was asking me because uh, we we you know we talk comics. He's one of the guys. He's one of the like one or two guys at work that like gets comic books. And we saw each other at the comic book store, and it was this awkward thing. But now we're cool. <laughs> so, uh, he, he was like, "Have you ever read any Hellboy?" And I'm like, "Well, no, not really." But I saw the movies. He's like, "Yeah, me too." And I'm I'm thinking about maybe getting into it, but I don't know what to what to pick up. So I said, well, I know I I have resources, I have people. So um, I was wondering if 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 because I know some of you have read Hellboy before. What trades would you recommend to somebody that would that whose only exposure was getting you know watching the two movies? Well, um, Paul, you want to take the lead on this one? Sure. Um... I've not read as much Hellboy as Aaron, uh, but I, I you know, obviously, you know, we could say Hellboy Seed of Destruction, which is the original trade paperback, is right. is definitely a good jumping on point because of it, the first movie was largely based off of that graphic novel. I wouldn't recommend starting with any of the most recent Hellboy stuff. Yeah, um, anything written by Mike Mignola with art by Duncan Fregretto. They had this arc for I think at least the last five years. They've been working on uh, on this arc of Hellboy, and uh, you know it, it's kind of this big epic thing. Lots of mythology, lots of stuff going on to it. So I would not recommend jumping in there until you are at least experienced in who Hellboy is. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know there are actually a couple of Hellboy short story trade paperbacks, like Hellboy the Crooked Man. Um, you know, just short tales, uh, you know, trade paperbacks of like five or six different short tales that are actually pretty enjoyable and that you can understand with just a passing familiarity with the character. They're very continuity light. Um, it's stuff like the Hellboy in Mexico stuff uh, by Mike Mignola and Richard Corbin. Mm-hmm. You um, know, I've read a lot of. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I've read a lot of Hellboy, and I have to say, my biggest issue with it, I love the writing. I hate the art in every Hellboy. Book I've ever read. Oh God, I love it's the art. this overly stylized art that I just really dislike. So that's something I warn people about if they're wanting to get into Hellboy. It's not this crisp, clean art that you would expect elsewhere. It's a very stylized art that seems to be polarizing. Either you absolutely love it or you absolutely hate it. I absolutely the, love it. I, the writing know, I, is still great through it, but I hate the art in every you know, Hellboy book I've ever read. You know, Wayne, if Paul's Skype picture is any indication, I'm going to have to agree with you. <laughs> well, hold on. So I have to say, Tim, what's your buddy's name? Uh, Joe. Joe. Uh, Joe, Wayne is full of shit. Yeah, Just absolutely. Just put that out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Mignola is definitely one of the best artists working in comics today. And yes, he is very stylized. But I mean, I, I think there's a lot to his stylized art. Uh, I mean, if you seen if you like the cover of Hellboy, you're essentially going to like what's inside. Yeah, I mean, you know, all the covers are by him. That is one thing I really give them. The covers do indicate the art that's inside. It it is the same art style. Like I said I don't like that stylized art. I don't. I generally don't like stylized art ever. But 
it's a very distinctive art style and you do know exactly what you're getting from the cover because it's not one of those bait and switch covers. It's important to note about Hellboy is that it is a horror comic and the art really supports that. It sets the mood, it serves the story. You know, Manola has got this fantastic style that works great for horror comics less so for superhero comics. And that's the reason why the style is so very different for you know in Hellboy than, say, in a Superman book. Um, I, I absolutely dig his work. Um, if, you know, Paul Sanyo start at Seed of Destruction, and, you know, for the, for the Hellboy mythology, that is absolutely the place to start because that book runs, the, 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 the foundation-laden Seed of Destruction runs all the way through the issue that came out last week. Um, it is it is a a very linear continuity in this story. You know, uh, we all fuss about how Marvel and DC don't respect their continuity. Well, Mike Mignola is all over that. He he is Mister Continuity for Hellboy. But if you don't want to get into something that is so tightly wrapped in continuity, and you you know you're, you maybe you don't want to get into the short stories that. Paul was talking about, there are team-up books with Hellboy. Like, for instance, there is a Batman, Starman, Hellboy book, which is fantastic. And it's uh, recently been re-released in trade. And you can pick that up. Um, there is also the uh, Dark Horse character Ghost. There's a team-up between Ghost and Hellboy as well. So, if you There's want to see... There's also a uh, Hellboy Savage Dragon. Yes, there is. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, there, there are a couple of those kind of, you know, team-up stories out there. But I, I do recommend... Uh, you know, the first five trades are fan freaking tastic. You know, you've got Seed of Destruction, Wake the Devil, The Chained Coffin, The Right Hand of Doom, and The Conqueror Worm. And those those books, they started in you know, October 1994 and run all the way through 2002. And those books are just fantastic. Um, there is a gigantic shift in the story at the end of Conqueror Worm. And, you know, Hellboy kind of takes on a different flavor after that. Again, still fantastic. Just a very different book from what you've experienced in those first five trades. Let, let me ask you, Aaron. Does Hellboy ever fight the aliens? Um, Hellboy, I don't believe, ever fight. Well, he fights elder uh, space gods, which could be characterized as aliens. No, 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 no. I mean the aliens. Oh, like the Dark Horse alien. Like the like the yeah. Jim Cameron. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't believe no. he does. Missed opportunity. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think Hellboy's a great book. It's something that I, I always recommend uh, to people who want to read comics and maybe not necessarily your traditional superhero comics. Um, if you want to see the very first appearance of Hellboy, go check out John Byrne's Next Men um, you know, for a little cameo by Hellboy there. Um, it's, it's just a fantastic, fantastic character. The There is a very different flavor from the movies to the book, you know, there's there oh, certainly yeah. the, the core elements are there, but the universe is very different. And I also have to recommend the uh, BPRD book, the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. That book is outstanding, and in a lot of ways, I like it better than Hellboy. Yeah, you know, I would say the animated Hellboy is a lot more like the comics than the the movies were. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you've seen any of the animated movies. It's yeah, much much closer to the comics, and they stream I, on Netflix. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, uh, BPRD is amazing. I love BPRD, and there it is. There are a lot of folks who would say it's better than Hellboy, actually. Well, and I, I, 
it, one of the things, you know, Mike Mignola is ha, kind of has the creative dream for BPRD, but he's got other folks writing it and drawing it. Um, and, you know, the reason for that is because, you know, Mignola spent the last several years working in film. Um, and so that book comes out a little bit more regularly. You know, there's a lot more BPRT, BPRD trades than there are Hellboy trades. Um, mm. And BPRD is a little bit more superhero-y. You know, it's a, it's a team of paranormal investigators. Uh, I that book is just outstanding, and it should be no big surprise that I like the art better on BPRD sometimes. Well, you know, and I, and I find the I find the artwork to be just as as uh, stylized as Mignola's. But a lot of it is. That's why I yeah. said sometimes. Yeah, but the 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 nice thing about it is that you've got this tremendous. Uh, cast that was a supporting cast in Hellboy, Liz Sherman, Abe Sapien, uh, you know, Roger, the homunculus, um, that, you know, that were just so interesting in Hellboy and they just kind of spinned off into their own thing. And now, I mean, I love those guys just as much as I love Hellboy. You know, the characters, they're just fantastic book, fantastic book. So I, I think you, Joe, I believe you have made a wise choice deciding to hop into Hellboy. You have many, many, many hours of reading ahead of you, and it's all just joyous and wonderful. Agreed. All right, well, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out the credit card, Joe. Just yeah, saying. really. Really. Because <laughs> once you start, you're probably not going to want to stop. Yeah. And you and, have 17 years of reading to catch up on. And, you know, the good news is is that a lot of that Hellboy stuff is available digitally through the uh, Dark Horse and Comixology apps. So, you know, if you wanted to read it on your computer, that's available to you as well. And, you know, something that I was thinking about this week, you know, with the, the prevalence of, uh, uh, you know, flat screen TVs, high definition TVs and whatnot, and then you've got your digital comics. I need a slideshow uh, function in my digital comics. You know, where I can have it scrolling through and, you know, doing fade ins and fade outs of comic panels on my uh, big flat screen TV, you know, just kind of scrolling in the background. That's what I need. So when you read comics, there is no automated page flipper function. Well, for 30 seconds, it automatically flips the page or something like that. I don't believe so. There should be. Get on I, a comicology. Well, and I, and w- what I need it to do is not just to do it within the one comic. I need it to do it within my entire archive and just randomly jump, you know, and zoom in on panels and zoom out fades and, you know, uh, cross fades, that kind of thing. I just think that would be so cool and it would make your comics more valuable, you know, and I don't want to pay <laughs> more for it. <laughs> You know, I think that it would make your digital comic purchase more usable and valuable, and you'd get more use out of your books. And I don't want to pay more for it. I want it to be a feature that is included within the app. Aaron. Sir. Do you actually endorse digital comics? I do, yeah. Oh, foolish. I love digital comics. Why do you Uh, say foolish? Aren't they charging you the same price as a physical copy? No. No, that's the – on day and date they do. But on, uh, uh, you know, I think DC and Marvel are both doing that whole thing where a couple of weeks after uh, uh, the date it comes out, it reduces by a dollar. Yeah, but yeah, but a couple of weeks after the release date on a physical copy, wouldn't the price go down as well? No, it's got usually co- no, unless you're buying a used copy. Oh well, yeah. But my point saying. is that if I've got if I'm spending the money on digital books and I do, I would like to have that function. 
So are you getting Justice League digitally, Aaron? Justice League number one in two weeks? I am going to – I will buy the physical copy with the digital option just to see how it works. Yeah, I'm going to do that too. Even though I don't have an iPad yet, um, uh, I will uh, definitely be – I have just been intentionally ignoring the fact that you have screwed me on this whole iPad buddy thing. (laughs) I I will have one by next year to come. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have an iPad 3. Yeah. You know, every week that Paul doesn't fall to your peer pressure is one little bit more respect I have for him <laughs> for not buying the iPad. Yeah. So when he buys it, I'll just lose all that respect. He's keep, he keeps fluffing that iPad for you, Aaron. It's yeah, kind of yeah, blue ball, yeah. Hate that guy. Well, you should have just bought me one while you were there is really <laughs> what you should have done. I would have paid you back on a payment plan. So yes. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like, Paul, that there's going to be some fallout either way you fall in this iPad situation. Yeah, I'm going to sleep on the couch tonight. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And speaking of fallout. <laughs> yeah, way, way to ignore the transition. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Ultimate Fallout number six came out. It's an ultimate book, so I'm going to turn to the hippies. Aaron, Wayne, <laughs> what do you got? Wayne? I thought it was better than issue five. I was annoyed that they tr- change artists throughout the book. It was very, very jarring change because it goes from this crisp, clean art to a more stylized art, and then back to crisp, clean again. That annoyed the hell out of me. Uh, nothing really happened in the book, but I'm still excited for the relaunch of some of these ultimate titles after it. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a... A better book, and um, the the stories didn't irritate me as much as in uh, issue five. Um, the uh, you know, like for instance, we didn't have you know freaking Quicksilver annoying the hell out of me. You know, I find that I'm really interested in the Spider-Man pieces of the story, and everything else I'm not so interested in. Uh, but like yourself, I am jazzed for the. Uh, uh, you know, relaunch of the ultimate books. When uh, when does that happen? By the way, uh, that happens in September. Uh, ultimate. No, actually, it happens next week. Yeah, uh, ultimate. Uh, yeah, ultimate's number one is August twenty fourth. Uh, Hawkeye is August thirty first. The new Spider Man's September fourteenth, and Ultimate Comics X Men is September twenty first. I've been thinking about jumping in on that, but uh, like, is it is it going to be a true reboot or is it like? Uh, how it was after Ultimatum. It's going to be oh, like it is after Ultimatum. Yeah, there's no... They're not restarting anything other than the numbers. You know, Peter Parker is dead. This is a new Spider-Man. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, it's fresh fresh points for the stories to start, but it's not a fresh continuity. Yeah, and unlike, uh, uh, unlike Ultimatum, it doesn't suck. Exactly. And, you know, the only book in here that I'm not picking up is uh, X-Men. I'm picking up everything else. I think Hawkeye is the only one I won't be picking oh, up. Hawkeye looks so good. I haven't Hawkeye seen written by Hickman? It, though. Yeah, it is. And I might pick it up. I haven't seen anything of it other than the cover. Oh, Hawkeye just looks so good. And they don't and, you set know, him up in any of these issues either. They set up all the other books pretty cleanly. Mm-hmm. There's no Hawkeye set up in Fallout. Wasn't well, Hawkeye just going to be a mini? No, it's an ongoing. As far I as I know. Go- I thought it was going to be a mini series. Is it? Yeah, which so. would explain oh, okay. why they're not necessarily setting it up and follow up. Yeah, I, I just think it looks so good. So, you know, there is a, a fairly big reveal in this issue of uh, Ultimate Fallout. 
you know, about Nick Fury's relationship with Peter Parker and Peter Parker's parents. Yeah, I enjoyed the the interplay there. That I mean, we knew that he knew Peter's parents. Yeah, but we never realized that he saw Peter as like a son. And yeah. really, I I don't know that he did. It may be one of those things you say after someone dies, you feel regret and. What what was the, what was the relationship between Nick Fury and his parents? They were agents for Nick Fury, and uh-huh. when they died, you know, he felt a responsibility to to Peter, but he never could figure out, you know, how he could help him until he became Spider Man, and then you know he realized that he could help mold him, you know, into, uh, you know, into a man, into a Spider Man. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that Nick Fury will respect the new black Spider-Man more than the honky one? (laughs) (laughs) Racist! (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm I'm curious to see what that reaction is going to be. I mean, I I think a lot of folks might get a little, you know, cheesed that that, uh, you've got somebody else wearing the spider suit. Yeah, I love that setup and the one issue we've seen the new Spider-Man in that everyone keeps telling him that's in bad taste. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm 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 grooving to the Ultimate Universe right now. I, I think it's awfully good. What do you think of the new look for Gwen Stacy? You know, I uh, I always kind of like Gwen as a blonde, but you know, whoever this uh, dark-haired woman is, I, I can live with that. I thought Gwen. <laughs> Is Gwen Stacy an Asian now? Is that (laughs) basically their picture is everywhere and they can't leave their house? So she comes up with a new look, dyes her hair black, and but Wayne, you know, you're looking at that 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 opening page with Aunt May curled up on Peter's bed, holding that that spider costume, and she's there in her uh, Chinese looking pajamas. You kind (laughs) of want her a little bit, don't you? Aunt May, smoking hot. That's what uh, I'm saying. I thought Gwen Stacy was dead. She came back. She got better. I thought that people don't come back in the Ultimate Universe. Oh, people come back all the time. Not in the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, some people come back. Dead is dead in the Ultimate Universe. Not Gwen Stacy, apparently. I, I she wasn't saw, really dead. And I it's not actually Carnage the original Gwen Stacy either. Carnage basically turns into Gwen Stacy. This is the thing that killed Gwen Stacy walking around as Gwen Stacy. Really? Yeah. That's badass. How, that's been going on for a long time. Oh, yeah. Wow. Carnage turned into Gwen St- What? Never mind. <laughs> no, it's Ultimate Universe. <laughs> exactly. I'm, smoke, I'm smoke the Reaver. <laughs> yeah, what, what, I was, what I was really surprised with in this issue, Wayne, is that they resolved the Mary Jane issue. Yeah, I thought they'd keep that going. It makes me wonder if she's even going to be a subplot in the the new books. Yeah. Because they have said that there will be some sort of uh, connection between the old supporting cast and the new Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't really know how that's going to be if uh, Aunt May and Gwen <laughs> Stacy move to France. Yeah. Mary Jane just starts fucking the new Spider-Man. That's right. Well, I mean, th- that's her role. <laughs> <laughs> the new one's younger, so it'll be a matter of... Uh, She'll be robbing the cradle. She, Mary Jane, is really kind of a a Spider Man comfort woman. You know, she just, you know, she services the needs of the Spider Man. Boy, <laughs> she must be busy right now in the Marvel universe. That's right. She's even <laughs> got to service the Spider clones and the Spider Island people. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to service the entire island of Spider. That's right. She is just banging the shit. Out of uh, you know, it's really kind of you know dogging Mary Jane. So, <laughs> nice. 
Ooh, if she, I would buy that book. I would buy that. If she's servicing Carly, I'd totally buy that book. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm just waiting for it. You know, there is a, a, a cover of uh, Spider-Man with a half-naked Mary Jane in, in, I think, next month. Awesome. Oh, I know. I've, I've looked ahead at the covers. There's some beautiful covers coming up. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Mary service Jane, it's going to be a week. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Do you know who serviced serviced me this week, Aaron? Who serviced you, Paul? DV, DC serviced me. Did they? Serviced me in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> just banging away irresponsibly. Banging away irresponsibly. <laughs> in a flash. Yeah. Flashback. She fucked me. Um, <laughs> now, Paul, are you saying that Aben Sir, Flashpoint Aben Sir, the Green Lantern, number three, was not one of the finest books you've read? Well, you know, I mean, we are talking about a book. We're on page eight. Aben Sir goes, you know, Aben Sir is called back to Oa. You know, the, the Guardians come back to Oa, and Aben Sir says, no, not until I save Earth. And on page nine, it says, Oa, and Aben Sir is back on Oa. <laughs> Completely contradicting page eight. Yeah. Um, you know, this is classic, amazing storytelling here. You know, in, in you know, <laughs> I, I, I can't even joke about this book this book fucking sucked aaron oh god it it sucked ass paul it was so bad and then you know i hate i i think it's fine when comics emulate the films uh you know good elements from the films but they emulated that whole oa scene you know from the green lantern movie with you know the great giant pedestals that the guardians stand on and the long you know cloaks the ridiculously long cloaks I'm just like, oh, God, you know, why did, why did you have to do that? Why did you have to remind me how fucking bad that movie was? Well, what's funny is that's the same scene that happened in Green Lantern, the movie, where Hal Jordan says, yeah. no, I need to save my planet. Yeah. And then he goes to Oa. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, I know and this is a uh, Schlagman, and I know we're Schlagman! huge fans of the Schlagman. Uh, the, but, uh, the book sucked so hard, and again, it did that whole thing that the that you know some of the other Flashpoint number three books have done is it rushed to the end. Yeah, it's like it, nobody it, understands uh, the pacing of this three issue uh, storytelling format. Yeah, I mean the book is incomprehensible. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, this it, one this book is a steaming turd. It is so bad. It's a shame they didn't have Porn Sack Pistachio writing it. If, I bet he knows his pacing. If only. <laughs> Porn Sack Pistachio knows how to climax the book. <laughs> yeah, I, this book was just, just awful. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you guys this. When uh, when this new 52 comes out for DC, is that a true re- reboot or is that a renumbering? It is a true reboot in most of the titles. Right. Ish. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> well, well, they're barely touching Green Lantern at all. Batman's not going to have too much touching. Superman is completely and totally restarted. A lot of others are completely and totally restarted where they're changing everything about them. But a lot of titles are going to – basically, they're t- when we saw the uh, – first saw the pictures of what had changed, it seemed like it was going to be this massive reboot and all this stuff was changing – but the last few months have been resetting the status quo of all of these characters to fit with what's happening after Flashpoint. 
I don't really know how much is going to change other than Justice League, Superman, Wonder Woman. Everything else seems to be very similar. Because I want to, I want to start reading Batman when it when it gets rebooted. But like, I mean, and mostly because I've been playing Arkham Asylum, <laughs> so that that's really gotten me into Batman as of late. But well, uh, I gotta say, Jonathan, Batman in the reboot is going to be written by Scott Snyder, who uh-huh. um, who currently writes Detective Comics, and it's written, and it's drawn by Greg Capullo, who did um, Haunt that you enjoyed so much. Oh, okay. So I, I I would recommend it. Scott Snyder's an awesome writer, and uh, I, yeah, I just really want to see some cool like, you know, Batman as the detective taking down like the Killer Croc and shit like that. Like that just seems. Like a really good read to me. Am well, I going to see that, Paul? I, it, it, it seems that you will. You know, it, Grant Morrison is not on the title anymore. And yes, you know, some of the changes to continuity he made are still there. Damian Wayne is still Robin, things like that. But I mean, it, it, we're talking different writers, you know, and, it, and they're trying to make it continuity light. I think you're going to be fine jumping in on Batman. Well, and I got to say that cover for Batman number one by Greg Capullo is beautiful. Oh, isn't it? That is a badass cover. I, I and I and I love the uh, mohawk on the Riddler. <laughs> I took that. It took me a second to realize that's who it was. Yeah. yeah. Is the Riddler a bad guy again? Yes. I would assume so because it looks like Batman's kicking his ass. <laughs> I don't know. That that might not mean anything. <laughs> well, maybe he was just you know. Nah, never mind. Grant Morrison did just get off the book, so... That's true. That's true. So, Paul? Yes. Okay, so... Aubin Sir, The Green Lantern, number three, was not a good book. So that book means... Of the week, really. So that means Wonder Woman and the Furies, number three, had to have been awesome, right? You know, to make up for it. Did it finally have your furries? It didn't have any... Well, unless you count Hawkwoman. But other than that, no. This book was just as bad. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Just again, I liked, I think I liked issue two. I know I liked issue one. I'm trying to remember if, if what I thought about issue two, but, uh, again, it's, there's a whole pacing issue here and they're just throwing out reveals left, right and center. And I just don't understand why you tease, tease, tease. And then you, there's no artful way to do the reveals on some of this stuff. Exactly. You know, like could have, you know, spaced this out a little bit. I mean, it really was a pacing issue. The first two issues moved at a steady pace, but I mean, they could have picked up the pace a little bit. Yeah. And in the last issue, they just do way too much. Yeah. I mean, it just ha- it just happens, you know. And it reminds me of Return of the Jedi, where you know all the the buildup between from Empire Strikes Back, and it's like you know who's the other, who's the other, and it, you've just kind of got this scene with you know. Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Luke Skywalker. So, hey, is Leah my sister? Yeah, she's pretty much your sister. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a craptastic reveal. Well, you know, Tim said he didn't mind this book on Twitter. No, I didn't. I, I didn't mind it. It wasn't, wasn't fantastic. But. He, he, didn't, he didn't mind throwing it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it... I guess it's hard when you're dealing with tie-ins that aren't gonna like resolve in the, in the in the in the three issue tie-in that you buy, 
Because some part part of me is going to be like, well, that was shitty. Then I'm going to have to buy, you know, the the main book. And I I did get Flashpoint four this week, so I could figure out what the hell is going on. And I, you know, I I kind of I kind of liked it as far as that goes. But I I definitely agree. Like the one the best thing about this book was the cover. I really liked the cover. But other than that, like the art. It, it's been consistent, but it's not been great on this on these books for the Wonder Woman one. Yeah. And you're right, like her walking in on uh, Orm and her aunt that should that would have been a perfect like wrap point for an, that issue. And then the next issue is the this is why we're doing this. Now we're blowing up Atlantean ships well, and Aquaman like reaching land, which doesn't happen. Like Wonder Woman like swims out to him and then I don't know there's there's a couple like issues when it comes to the continuity too yeah so I didn't mind it but uh, but at the same time I was taking it through the grain of salt sand that is like well they're not going to have this thing completely tied down editorially the right way either well how how does how does Wonder Woman look post reboot um well if, if you've seen the pictures from the, the Justice League um, I know, haven't. You, you haven't. Uh, she's got, she's got the same like she's got the new top that she has in the in the new series. No, no, that, not, not how she, how not how does she look? How does she look? What does that mean? Hot. She looks hot. I don't care. I don't care what she's dressed like. Like, oh, are they making well, changes to her character? Oh, like the book. Like, how does it look? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, the, the art is effing awful in the one picture we've seen for her. Yes, horrible cover. We haven't seen any interiors yet. I'm just hoping the interiors look nothing no, like no, that no, cover. Not how does it look? How does it look? Like, That's what we're saying. We don't know. They haven't really given any information about the new what Wonder Woman's going to be like afterwards. We've got all this information about the other characters. In her case, all we've seen is this horrible art. Well, do, well do but guys, I do know... I'm sorry, go ahead, Jonathan. Do you guys think that she's going to be weak enough of a character to be realistic? I don't know. You know, one thing they have said is that Wonder Woman and Batman... I mean, I'm super... Excuse me. Wonder Woman and Superman are the ones getting major overhauls. Can I say... They're, one of the things that I don't like about Wonder Woman is that Woman? no, okay. <laughs> uh, it's the, it's the the whole mystique of virgin hero that bugs the hell out of me. You know that she can't ever be a fully realized person because you know they've got to keep her a virgin. I mean, did they do that in the uh, in the uh, stories that you and you and uh, Wayne were reading, Tim? Did they even address her love life? No, because uh, for the story they were telling, it wouldn't really fit. No, I mean, there's one point where she kind of hits on what's his name. Like I don't remember the guy's name. Like her her first love in her in the original in the original books, the fighter pilot guy, Steve Trevor. Uh, yeah, he sort of shows up in in continuity, like somebody looking like him, or maybe it was him. And she sort of was like in the middle of a fight, and she had this like throwaway lines like, "Well, I'm busy right now, but maybe you can look me up later or something." And then she jumps in and starts beating some ass. Well, well, shouldn't shouldn't they just make her a lesbian? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that would be fine. I would just like to see her, 
you know, be a fully realized person because over the last 20 years, you know, and maybe, maybe before that, it's just been that, you know, she, she never, you know, had any real kind of romantic relationships. I know there's a lot of hinting that she's going to be with Superman afterwards. And I I think that would be great because I think that makes sense. Well, you know, she was getting it on with Batman for a little bit. Now that yeah, I yeah, remember but they reading a Justice League about that, and that was pretty cool. But they weren't they just you know did they ever go anywhere? It was hot and heavy for a little bit, and then they decided that it. D- okay, and I don't mean to be crass, but define hot and heavy. Second base. Okay, that's uh, what I, I thought. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, but do, but do you because think Bruce that Wayne Batman... can't close a fucking deal? <laughs> no, no, well, Bruce Wayne can close a fucking deal, but he's got to be in socialite mode. <laughs> like it's got to be for a a specific reason. Now, oh, but do you think that Batman's strong enough to break her hymen? Oh, dear God. <laughs> well, if he had some kind uh, of... These are the s- questions that we need Jonathan Landreth on this podcast. If he had a bat cock ring. <laughs> I mean, if he has enough time to play it. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you're saying, Aaron. You're saying that Wonder Woman should do some of her uh, heroism on her back, I guess. Well, and, I mean, she needs to tie some dudes up, if you know what I mean. So, uh, oh, what do you mean? I don't understand. You know, with that lasso and you know, a little bondage, but uh, like she's sort of doing to Aquaman there. <laughs> no, I, I, but see, that's the thing. I think she's, she's trying to David Carradine his ass. <laughs> on her well, I, I, I just she has as much as I enjoyed the George Perez run on Wonder Woman back in the day, um, and you know, subsequent adventures. It's just her personal life has never seemed real to me. You know, she's always been, they, they, they've done such a job of trying to keep her iconic um, that she just never felt like a three-dimensional character. You and know, I, I wonder if that's why in every, you know, Elseworld story, they always throw in a relationship because they're not doing it in regular books. Exactly. Particularly, I don't, I've lost track of how many Elseworld stories she ends up with Superman in. Well, and I love those books. You know, like when you read Kingdom Come... And, you know, she and and uh, Superman have a very intimate relationship um, in that book, not necessarily as, as, you know, lovers, but, you know, they're, they're confidants. And I just I love that that aspect of that. You just don't see that as much in the regular DC Universe Wonder Woman stories. And I think that's an opportunity. I think they've got to dispel this myth that in order for a in order for Wonder Woman to be an iconic hero, she has to be a virgin superhero. You know, and I, I think just whatever, hate that. I think what everybody's saying, Paul, and you should take a note, is nobody likes a superheroine that is sweet and innocent all the fucking time. That's right. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that yeah. I know a superheroine that is entirely not. Well, I mean. Entirely not what, Paul? Entirely not a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying about Spider-Girl, Paul? Oh, we're talking about Spider-Girl now? I was talking about Hair Trigger. <laughs> but if we want to talk about Spider Girl, no, she's not a virgin either because she fucked me with her book too. This book you, sucked too. Are you telling me you didn't like this book? <laughs> are you telling Get me him, you, Paul. you did not like Spider Island Spider Girl with by Paul Tobin and Pepe Larraz? Oh, are we talking about the same book? Because you know, there's a page where Spider Girl's like, I'm gonna flip up onto a roof. Holy shit, the hands here. Let me fight the hand. Oh, let me turn around. Oh, shit. There's a giant population of hornets. Oh, there's the hobgoblin out of nowhere. This book was just so random. Well, it didn't yeah, feel it like was, it flowed at all. But it's communicating it, the it's chaos fun. of Spider Island. 
Things are things are crazy on Spider Island, Paul. It's crazy. Are you trying to tell me you like this book, Aaron? Love this book. I liked it too. I love the cover. I love the interior art. I love the writing. I love the characters. This book is fucking awesome, Paul. I am. Um, Pepe Larraz rocked these pages. I definitely wouldn't go so far as to say awesome, but it was a fun book. Oh, I loved it. I uh, I loved the Hobgoblin in here. I thought he was great. I love his comment about uh, you know about her being a nice package, and then oh, I'm sorry, was that creepy? <laughs> well, and and the the reveal at the end of the book, which might be a spoiler, Tim. Um, with Kingpin getting spider powers, yeah, you know, there's something really creepy about seeing Kingpin climbing the wall. I, I thought it was a great book. I just that's I, gonna I, be one fat spider. That is a that is a big <laughs> ass spider. That is a poor wall. <laughs> Hold on. Didn't didn't Jackal say only point zero zero one percent of the population is going to be a spider? But every important every important NPC character is a spider. <laughs> this is some bull. That's well, some he, that's some fake numbers right there. Yeah, he also seemed to be controlling to a degree who got it. He was directing some of these bugs. I can I could totally see Jackal picking one of Spider Man's biggest villains. To get spider powers. Yeah, Jackal. but you know, and Jack- we'll get to your question here in a second, Jonathan. All right. So Aunt May and her husband, uh, the Jameson guy, right? They had someone clean their bed for bed bugs. You're telling me Kingpin doesn't have like 60 naked women who clean his bed every day <laughs> <laughs> with green goblin tattoos on their hoo-hahs <laughs> <laughs> just saying <laughs> i don't even know how to respond to that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well then someone answered jonathan's question about who jackal is <laughs> Oh, uh, Jackal is uh, – gosh, I'm suddenly remember forgetting the professor's name. But Miles he, Warren. Yeah. Uh, Miles what again? Warren. Thank you. Uh, Professor Miles Warren, he's the guy who created the spider clones to begin with, and his alter ego is the Jackal. And so you know, he has uh, scientifically, genetically modified these bed bugs to go around giving people spider powers. Why? Good question. Read the book. <laughs> <laughs> it has yet to be revealed. That's right. Okay. But I, I, I thought, I thought Spider Girl Spider Island was just a, an amazing book. I really dug it. I really dug it, and I'm, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was fun. I wouldn't go so far as to say amazing. I also wouldn't go so far as to say the art was amazing. But the book was fun. I enjoyed it, and I'll buy the other two issues. I loved Hobgoblin in here. I thought he was great. Yeah. Well, I will go so far as to say fuck this book. Well, and I'll go as far as to say as fuck you, Paul. There you go. No, you know what? Just for that, I'm going to send you Venom number six in the mail. Oh, please don't. <laughs> please don't. And that's kind of like a hate crime, isn't it? <laughs> Purchasing it was the hate crime. God. Now, I jumped off of Venom after issue one because, you know, it was like somebody shit in my pull box. But uh, <laughs> this is a vulgar episode of Funny Books. <laughs> Welcome back, Jonathan. (laughs) So, uh, how was Venom number six, Paul? 
It was god-awful. I know I'm sounding like a broken record this week, but that's because I think I read one book this week that I relatively enjoyed, and everything else I hated with a passion, um, including Venom Spider Island. You know, I had heard on Twitter that this would be an important book. Oh, are you tired of Red Sky tie-ins that have nothing to do with the main storyline? Then pick up Venom number six, a Red Sky tie-in that has nothing to do with the main storyline. What the hell is Red Sky? I don't know. That's just what they called it. Okay. I don't get it. It, but it must mean something in the comic world. <laughs> it means I am nothing com- to me. Well, so Venom is fighting this giant monster that looks like the tarantula guy. Um, except, he, you know, and then he brings him back to the lab where, uh, you know, where he's stationed. And you find out that it's not a giant, just a random giant spider guy like tarantula. It's Captain America. And I'm like, how does that work? I've never seen the bed bu- the spider, you know, the spider bed bugs turn anybody into a spider monster. But apparently that happened to Captain America. Huh. And so they spent 21 pages fighting in the book, him yes. and Captain America. And then on the last page they're like it's Captain America and all of a sudden Captain America is like it just doesn't I mean it's supposedly Steve Rogers Captain America. That is, you know, this giant spider creature, and it literally makes no sense in the context of Spider Island. And, you know, on top of that, the book is, you know, on top of that stupid reveal, the book is just poorly written, poorly drawn. Um, it, it, it's really just, if you didn't like Venom number one or Venom number two or any Venom issue so far, you know, picking up the Spider Island tie ins are not worth your time. Except okay, so, Paul, the Red Skies crossover, the Red Skies tie in, goes back to the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. Back, they had a bunch of books that had this huge cover logo saying that it was connected to Crisis, but the only thing Crisis related was the red sky from Crisis. Ah. So it would be a regular book, had nothing at all to do with Crisis, except the sky was red. And someone at some point would say something like, why red skies? And that's where the term red skies tie-in comes from. It just means it has nothing to, actually to do with the the main crossover whatsoever. It just is advertised as being part of it. Yeah, this is one of the... Well, no. Okay, I gotta be honest. Obviously, this is deeply rooted in Spider Island. This book would not happen without Spider Island. That being said, it doesn't add anything to the Spider Island story. And on top of that, it sucks. <laughs> So, you know, let's talk about a book that isn't a tie-in. Oh, wait. Yes, it is. Like every other book we've talked about this week, Avengers Academy number 18. Or not? Tim. (laughs) What do you wait for me for? Because, you know, we want to give you the opportunity to talk about a book that you deeply cherish and love. Yeah, usually. (laughs) You Um, you did not enjoy uh, Avengers Academy this week? uh, Okay, so... I, I, I the sto- the story the story was solid, uh, but I, I think we've got a new artist on this book now. Yes, we do. Andrea Devito is the artist. Uh, it's not. I don't know. It's not. There's there's parts that are good. There's parts that are kind of uneven for me, and I don't. I don't know. I, I think when there's a whole lot going on, it gets a little blocky. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a term? Mm-hmm. So, but I think like when she has, you know, generally one pan, one panel, simple, it's not too bad. Like I really like the page with Hazmat off, you know, without the suit on, 
kind of talking to uh, uh, what do we call him now? Absorbing Man Prime and Titania, <laughs> you know, Oberon or whatever. And right. So that was kind of cool, but I, I, it was just it was kind of a, a, a downshift. And I'm not saying that because I didn't. I thought that she did a bad job, but it, it's different. And I, you know, this book has been so consistent that. You know, even a difference that isn't, you know, isn't bad is, is like, whoa, what are they yeah. doing to my Avengers Academy? Yeah. What I noticed for the art was it was kind of hit or miss. Some panels were so incredible that they were better than anything we've seen in it thus far. Like, this artist is great at some of the facial expressions. But like Tim said, some of the big scenes where there's a lot of characters, it looks like it was rushed or something. Well, you know, I, what I think happened here, I, I think her, her pencils are probably pretty good, but I think she was inking her own work. And I don't think her inks are very good. Uh, some of the lines are a little too thick, and there just doesn't seem to be as much you know, nuance to it. Um, I think uh, she might have benefited from somebody else doing the inks. Yeah. Tim's right. That, that picture of Hazmat out of her suit is incredible. The art there is great. Um, you know, Aaron, uh, Aaron you might wanna... have a point about the – oh, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say before you guys uh, keep going, uh, uh, Andrea DeVito is a dude. Uh, no, Italian. I don't think so. That, that, that's a chick. It, it is an Italian dude, and he was the artist on Dungeons and, and is the artist on Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, clearly, Andrea is a girl's name, Paul. <laughs> Except when you're an Italian dude. Uh, I think this might be a very mannish woman, Paul. Um, and it's quite. I don't know. Hurtful. He's a bald dude with a goatee. Hey, he looks like hey, like you know, she's got some <laughs> hormone problems, Paul. Just need you to back off a little bit on your sexism, okay? Words right, hurt, okay. Paul. Words Sorry. hurt. Your your judgment is is showing. You're you're flying your haterade. So. Yeah. What's up? Sorry, Andrea. Why do you got to be that way? <laughs> you know, she's but, beautiful on the inside, Paul. <laughs> But I think you might have a good point because that scene with with Hazmat, she's wearing mostly black. Uh-huh. That might be a, you might be right, Aaron. Maybe it's maybe it's the 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 uh, angst that is doing it because I really like this this artist in Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah. maybe that's what's going on. Well, and this was the same artist from Annihilation. I seem to remember the people reading it like the art over there. Yeah, you know, like I said, maybe it's just because it's different. Yeah, and it is. It is a shift. A, Maybe if they get a new a new a, somebody to do the inks for uh, him, her, he, she, we <laughs> will be will be, be all right. But now uh, we need to send Andrew to you know to Italy to check this out. Yeah, we need to send Andrew to meet Andrea. <laughs> this is this is the first uh, Avengers Academy book that I've missed. Uh, did I miss any important character development? Uh, yes. I I thought I think so. Well, what? Well, hazmat, well, okay. you know, in her uh, in her brawn panties. So, you know, there's well, no, 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 no. I mean, like character stuff. That's character. Oh, yeah, there, there was. There, there's a point where it, you know, Striker, finesse, and hazmat are together, and it's like, okay, they took out all the Boy Scouts, you know, and Striker has this this scene where he's like, you know, we can't beat these guys by playing, you know, nice. We need to be. We need to. We need to. You know, they're worried about us being supervillains. Let's kick it up a notch. Let's go. Let's let's dig into that part of our persona to beat these guys. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that they've been beaten up so much lately that he actually steps up into a leadership role and just gives them that whole speech about we're the ones that could be the next Doctor Doom. Let's start acting like it. Yeah. And was, after yeah after that, I mean they they play dirty and they're good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it it really did play to their strengths. It was a nice character moment. 
Ooh. you know, playing like Dr. Pym wasn't getting the job done. But uh, when they started screwing these guys over using their darker knowledge, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah, it gives me tingles. Yeah. <laughs> Down there? Uh, mostly in my anus. Nice. <laughs> so, I, you know, I do think there were some misses on the artwork. Um, I don't think it was awful, but it was not It was not of the quality that we have enjoyed in, in earlier issues. But I thought overall it was a good book. Yeah, and especially when you see the Billy Tan cover and then you flip the page. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't. It wasn't the home run that it usually is for me, but it was it was it was a solid extra base hit. So yeah, okay. it was still a home run for me. I still loved it. And I said I I do see your issues with the art though because it is different and some panels are much better than others. But still, I loved it. And it's the only fear itself tie-in that's worth a damn. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, damn straight. Yeah. Well, Paul. Yes. Daredevil Paul, number two. Paul, do you dare to go on? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have another awful book to talk about after this one, but um, after Daredevil, after Daredevil. Uh, No, I liked uh, Daredevil. Number two is the only book this week that I actually kind of enjoyed. Okay, so I want to talk about it in a couple of different ways. First off, the Paolo Rivera artwork. Holy shit. I I love the the, the Paolo Rivera artwork. it, It is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and this is artwork that uh, Wayne absolutely would not enjoy. Agreed. Um, because of the moodiness of it, but golly, I love the artwork. So just, uh, just, just really awesome. And you know, anytime Paolo Rivera wants to come along and draw Captain America, he should feel free to do so because mm-hmm. his Captain America is pretty damn cool. You know what I like about Paolo Rivera? You know, it's a classical art style. Uh huh. I mean, something like akin to what you would have seen maybe Frank Miller do during yeah. his Born Again days. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also got this modern sensibility behind it. And, you know, he does all these subtle nuances because of Daredevil's hearing, right. you know, superpowers, or, um, you know, like when when the fight between him and Captain America at the beginning, when his little uh, horn gets knocked off. I mean, just little subtle things that just really work for the book. I, I'm really enjoying them. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I I really dug the artwork and and his his setting, his pacing, and the the acting that, that he demonstrates in the characters is just fantastic. Okay, so next thing I want to point out, Captain America is a dick. <laughs> okay, I mean let's just make no mistake about it because you know the last issue ended with uh, all of this confetti stuff up in the air to to, to you know mess up Daredevil's senses and Captain America's shield arcing in from off panel about to hit Daredevil. So we open up right where we left off and Daredevil, you know, narrowly miss, uh, avoids the shield. I mean, just by inches and then catches the shield. Right. And so, um, you know, Daredevil says, uh, uh, you know, if you don't watch where you throw this thing, it's going to end up stuck on a roof somewhere. I say this because clearly slinging it at my head had to have been an accident. And Captain America says, well, more like a test. I had to be sure it was really you. OK, so he throws essentially a deadly weapon at somebody's head just to make sure it's him. Captain America is a dick. 
Aaron, you may not understand, but that's how these superheroes do things. I mean... I'm just like, okay, so if it hadn't been Daredevil and you'd taken off his head... (laughs) Oops. Yeah. Mm, My bad. (laughs) I thought you were Matt Murdock. He thought it it was Daredevil enough to put confetti in the air, you know? (laughs) Just, wow. Okay, and so my third point, Paul... Yes? ...is... Foggy Nelson. He got some ass. How the hell does Foggy Nelson land Kirsten? How does that happen? I isn't have no he, idea. Isn't he a lawyer? Uh, yeah. Enough said. <laughs> but she's a lawyer, too. She's the assistant DA. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I just I need to know how that happened. Foggy Nelson has a new appreciation of life since he lived through Shadowland, which he shouldn't have. And now he's decided to just big ball it. (laughs) That's true. I mean, I guess, you know, scaling Daredevil's ancient Chinese tower in the middle of Manhattan, you know, by himself, by hand, uh, gave Foggy Nelson appreciation for women. Yeah, that was his come to Jesus moment, climbing that wall, his fat ass up that wall. (laughs) Well, you know, Foggy's hitting himself uh, some stuff there, so wow. So, Paul, you like the book? I enjoyed the book overall. Um, I think it's a strong story, and supposedly it ends uh, – the first storyline ends with issue three. Really? And uh, Yeah, which is surprising. It seems like it's just getting going. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously Claw is involved yeah. in the storyline. Um, I'm just really enjoying it. And, you know, I got to say, I think – it's. I think the art is really helping the book. Oh yeah. Uh, it's not one of Mark Wade's better stories. No, it's not. Uh, however, I think the art is really what's selling me on this book and making me enjoy the story. Well, and that last page where Darede- Daredevil wakes up, you know, and he's like, "Huh, what are they doing to me?" And he's mm-hmm. all, you know, wrapped up in all this gear and whatnot, and it looks like they're about to remake Claw over Daredevil's body. <laughs> I, I, that is just a neat, neat looking page. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to the the third issue. I know with issue four the artist changes; they're going to alternate artists. But the second artist is Marcos Martin, who I'm also a fan of. Yeah, um, who has an art style very similar to Paulo yeah. Rivera, to be honest with you. Yeah. So um, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it going. I'm really yeah. enjoying it. I hope Mark Waite's storylines get a little better. Um, they flow a little better, but uh, you know, the art team is really helping. Well, I do think that Captain America only appeared in this book because he has a movie in theaters right now. Um. That is the only reason I can see that that Cap was in this book. Yeah, well, and I had I had a, I had a qualm about Cap's appearance in this book, uh-huh. and it was Cap was angry because Bucky was on trial. Uh huh. But Cap wasn't Cap until yeah. Bucky died. Paul, don't pull up that string. <laughs> <laughs> so, just saying, it was. I have to say, the 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 Captain America appearance in this book is unnecessary. Um, the, the reasoning makes very little sense. Um, and I just think it's one of those things you just have to push, push past to get to the good stuff in the book. Like anal sex. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Just like that. And, and, you know, that's a proper transition. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you do it because (laughs) Bucky's dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. It fear itself. Wait, the, what, what, what was the trial? He, wait, 
he went on trial for treason because of his time as the Winter Soldier. And I guess he was found innocent or something. Yeah, what? He, I didn't read that storyline. I didn't either. But he's dead. Now he's dead. Yeah, he took a hammer to the chest. Nice! <laughs> okay. Moving on. So speaking <laughs> of anal sex... <laughs> <laughs> Awkward uh. <laughs> uh, God, Green Lantern Corps. 63... After everything I said about every book I've read this week, this was the worst book I read this week. This was really the worst book you read this week? <laughs> yes. Wow. I mean, I'm not going to say it's good because it wasn't really that good. And the, I, It had another one of my bitches about switching. It has all these chapters and different artists for each chapter, which I hate. I have no idea where this hatred for the Human Lantern suddenly comes from when it's not in any of the other Green Lantern books going on right now. But I wouldn't say I was that passionate in a hatred of it to make it the worst book of the week. Well, I was passionate about my hatred of this book. And here's why. So, Aaron. Yes. Aaron. Yeah. You know who wrote this book? Who wrote this book? Scott Collins. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What does that tell you about this that book? That tells you that the writing sucked. Because, <laughs> you know, I love Scott Collins as, a, as an artist, but man, he ought not to be writing comics. He yeah. needs some. He needs, uh, and I, I, that's that's probably the wrong thing to say. I, I think it's probably more appropriate to say Scott Collins needs a heavier hand in editing, um, because he has some good ideas, but he doesn't execute. Perhaps yeah. he needs a hammer to the chest. Perhaps. <laughs> Look at him referencing a book. He can, I, can, I, can I? Can I? just? You know, I'm not going to make the joke, but you know, I'm uh, just pretend I made the Scott Collins Phil Collins joke again. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to work over it's work I've already done. But gotcha. It's there. I noticed the colors on all the story are colors by Hi-Fi. The uh, the art the worst art in here for me was the Freddie the Freddie Williams two art. The book was filler and it was rushed and it's obviously rushed because these artists are all pretty decent artists Joe Prado Scott Collins and Freddie Williams the third or second or whatever um, all good artists but the book was just terrible. Um, you know you have so just to give you it's four stories one of them is about uh boudica and just it, it's just basically an introduction of her character and well how does she keep going on she used to be beautiful and now she's an alpha lantern and then the second story is by scott or has art by scott collins and features um salik basically confronting two lanterns who are visiting a lantern who's still dealing with the post-traumatic stress of um war of the green lanterns and the third story is Kyle Rayner in a cafeteria getting attacked by all the other Green Lanterns who have suddenly started hating humans for no reason. And then it's all wrapped up in the fourth page where the Guardians say, oh, we need everyone's help. And so Boudica, you know, jumps on her feet and starts out to help them. And the two Lanterns who were visiting the post-traumatic stress guy jump on, you know, <laughs> put on their rings to go help. Is that and the they, superhero name, post-traumatic stress guy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and basically everyone joins together to, to take on the common foe, you know, after all this trauma of the book. And it was just a terrible, 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 terrible. You know, I was annoyed by the... The Kyle story in the middle was the one that bothered me the most. I was annoyed that Tomar could just tell Kyle's ring to take him away and it would just do it. That it answers to someone else. I was annoyed by all of this hatred of humans aimed at Kyle when no one else sitting in that cafeteria would have a ring on if it wasn't for Kyle. 
there would be no core right now whatsoever if it wasn't for Kyle bringing back the Guardians, restarting the power battery. He created this new core and is getting no respect at all from these people that have a ring only because of him. Essentially, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't make any sense. The book did not make sense. It was it was obvious filler. Um you know, and we we made the joke earlier about DC's books in August all being filler, or Wayne did. <clears throat> but it, it's, I mean, I was true. hoping that wouldn't be the case, but damn, it's proven to be true. Yeah. Because I have, you know, I think even last week's books weren't the strongest. Uh, to tell you the truth, you guys have not made me feel bad about not picking up any comics this week. <laughs> you know, except, I, I got to tell you. Avengers Academy. Yeah, the, the the books this week largely were disappointing, um, and I I just wish that we had more <laughs> Flashpoint Batman. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was missing this week. Well, I mean, even Ultimate Fallout Six felt kind of like a filler. It was not much happened in that, and that was you know the end of a mini series. I think every book we talked about, I mentioned the I thought Spider Girl was fun, but it still. Everything kind of felt filler this week. Now that you mention it, it's a red sky tie-in. <laughs> I mean, we talk, what did we talk about? We talked about fill-ins and tires. That's and, and tie-ins. <laughs> that's what we talked about this week. Other than Daredevil number two, yeah, or tie-ins and fillers. You know what yeah. I meant? Yeah. Um, it just very very poor week in comics. I'm hoping next week is going to be a little better. We've you know we've got some decent stuff. We've got the next issue of FF. Coming out next week. What does it matter? What does it matter with FF? <laughs> FF is good. FF's really good. Except, uh, except for the last two issues. Story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm looking forward to next week? Um, two books. Superman Beyond Number Zero comes out next week. Who's doing it? Uh, Ron Friends and the oh. same guys who did Thunderstrike. I like Ron. I I, I like Ron Friends. So I'm looking forward to that one and the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series from idw starts next week oh is it based on the comics the tv show something new entirely something new entirely however kevin eastman is involved i've been i don't don't know what that means he was one of the original creators okay well i know something that's going that that is giving wayne wood right now your mom DC, dc retroactive green lantern the 90s oh yeah kyle rayner comes out next week and I know that, uh, you know, Wayne's popping a chubby right now. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that one. Yeah. A Kyle Reiner story written by Ron Mars. Yeah. I couldn't ask for more. No, not not Carl Reiner. Kyle Rayner. <laughs> a Carl Reiner Green Lantern. So, <laughs> I would read that book in a heartbeat. So, so Paul, yeah. are you going to be picking up uh, Flashpoint Hell Jordan number three next week? I am. Okay. I'm okay. going to pick up, actually, surprisingly, if there's four Flashpoint tie-ins. I'm picking up Hal Jordan, Kid Flash Lost, Lois Lane, and Project Superman. We have not – we didn't talk about Kid Flash Lost number two on the show. We did but not. I hated that a whole lot. <laughs> did you really? I really did. And, you know, I, I, I'm i going to pick up Hal Jordan number three. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – actually, I'm picking up all, all four of these Flashpoint books next week. You want to see how Hal dies? 
Well, you know, I, I just I'm 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 a little curious about it. It's it's uh you know it's morbid curiosity I should say. But you know I really dug Lois Lane in the Resistance number one, but number two was not nearly as strong. And if the trend, <laughs> I was about to say, we as we've seen issue three is clearly the well, best issue of the series, right? Well, and that's my concern is that the the only Flashpoint book so far that has been strong throughout has been the Batman book very true you know in terms of the tie-ins um now i I thought well they said i thought world of flashpoint ended well the middle of it was what sucked though issue two was horrible and then issue three kind of recovered it was strongest in the first issue though well i uh i'm i'm hopeful that uh you know two of these four will end well I'm going to save you some money, Aaron. Hell, Jordan dies in a plane crash. Stop it! No! <laughs> yep, and since Jonathan, or since uh, Andrew isn't here to say it, fuck Wonder Woman. Oh, uh, Tim, Tim uh, take fuck off Lois your Lane, sorry. What? Tim, oh, take off your headphones for a second. All right. Okay, I'm assuming they're off now. Okay. So apparently, <laughs> Wonder Woman dies too. Did you notice that in Ob and Sir the Green Lantern number three where she falls into the earth? Yeah. Yeah, that uh, big spoiler on there for uh, for people waiting <laughs> well, for Flashpoint. Well, you know five. when I when I was asking about Wonder Woman, like you could have said something. Well, I you know I, I, we were talking you know we we're talking about the the books that are spoiling each other. Yeah, there's a, a one shot in uh, Ob and Sir Green Lantern number three where Wonder Woman falls into the uh, the volcanic center of the Earth. Yeah, so, I'm sure she can survive that. He's fine. <laughs> So right, they're looking gonna... just to remake her as, as the lesbian she should be? Let's see. We'll find I mean, out Wonder Woman number Super, one. Superman can survive it. I'm sure she can survive it. <laughs> All right. Tim's back now. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't want to ruin uh, Flashpoint for you. So. Well, I read Flashpoint 4, so I'm, I'm caught up on that. But It's important to note that one thing that won't let you down is next week's Issue number six of Knights of Rainsboro. Woo! Woo! So this coming Friday, Knights of Rainsboro, issue six. Can we tease the title, Aaron? Absolutely. Honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger don't care. That's right. That's right. He doesn't. (laughs) And that's all we'll say about that. (laughs) So anyway, uh, good show, guys. Jonathan, nice to have you back. Can I say something before we... uh cut off here yes sir oh, the music's already playing hurry up <laughs> <laughs> i uh i've been watching the uh chris yosa's uh uh avengers cartoon uh-huh yes fucking amazing That's like good. it yes it I, is. I would say i would say i mean i i never watched batman the animated series so let's not take it into consideration but uh other than that i would say best uh best comic book cartoon since the old x-men series yeah i i would say it's it's awfully darn good yeah, really good. Yeah, that's why. And I it streams on Netflix. Yes, that's how I've been watching it. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Well, is, Net, is Netflix paying your ass and you're not sharing? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I I really have to say that you know watching the uh, the animated TV shows on Netflix is so preferable to watching it on TV because you don't have to fast forward through the irritating commercials. Oh fuck the commercials! You just rang up another reference right there. Did you see how he slipped that in, Paul? Yeah, he's getting paid by the mention. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. 
By mentioning what, Aaron? What was it again? Well, you can. It streams on Netflix.com. <laughs> well, it, well, and you, Aaron, you notice uh, what I've noticed about Netflix, man, is that they put a ton of the cartoons on there. Like uh, in my Insta queue, I've got the Avengers, uh-huh. I've got uh, the Fantastic Four, the Silver Surfer, yeah. like uh, the Hulk. Yeah, and they like, finally put the uh, Spider-Man 67 collection out there. Yes, I've got the Spider-Man 67 collection. Yeah. I had the other newer Spider-Man thing, but it sucks so bad. Yeah. I yeah. get through one episode. Same same Which with one? Me. Which was the only one that sucked? Uh the one where it sucked. you'll remember it Wayne because uh, there was sucking (laughs) well that's why I'm curious I'm trying to think of a Spider-Man cartoon that sucked first episode Spider-Man goes to space oh okay that was Spider-Man Unlimited yes Uh, and then uh, I I thought he was dissing uh, Astonishing Spider-Man or Spectacular Spider-Man for a minute no no I really like Spectacular Spider-Man I just wish it was longer well, you know, I, I I started watching the '67 collection, and one of the things so that does Mary Jane. one of the things that amuses <laughs> me about that is that the first several episodes, it doesn't even really need to be Spider-Man; it could be just any random superhero, because you know it's like Spider-Man goes out into the woods to rescue somebody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, and then it becomes more of a Spider-Man type of storytelling later into it. But it just cracks me up, you know, random Spider Guy. <laughs> <laughs> now, did did, uh, did you guys uh, have you guys watched the Iron Man cartoon? Which one? The new one, the anime one. The new one, yeah. Oh, I, it is awful. Yeah, it is pretty bad. Like, and the the one the one actually now that I think about it, the one gripe I have about the Avengers cartoon is I don't think that Chris Yost has a handle on Tony Stark as a character. Uh huh. Too There's too many times where. Where, uh, like, Bruce Banner's talking or something like that, and, and Iron Man plays the dumb guy. And, and I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. Like, especially if they're talking about technology, and he's like, uh, somebody translate for me. Right. It's like, didn't you build all this? <laughs> like, uh, you know, so that, that's, that comes off as, as a little strange. Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why Tony Stark plays uh, the intellectual inferior to guys like Hank Pym and Bruce Banner when he should be right there with them. Well, maybe he's got self-esteem issues. <laughs> maybe he just wants to be comedic relief. <laughs> he just wants to be liked, really. That's right. And uh, and Janet Pym is uh, is awful. But that's that's just her as a character. I'm glad she's dead. I hope they never bring her back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's my return. <laughs> All right. You know, it's also good to have Jonathan back because we haven't had so much cussing in a while. And there's hey. something about Jonathan that brings it out in Aaron. No, no, no. Because I've been listening to episodes just to see. And let me tell you something. Paulie drops it every week. Oh, yeah. Paul always does. But Aaron never does unless you're here. You bring it out in him. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm like a PG-13 movie. It's got to be dropped at least once an episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on Nights of Rainsboro, Hair Trigger cusses enough to make a sailor blush. Yeah, I've got I've got a real big problem with the dialogue in Nights of Rainsboro. <laughs> I don't think that the uh, I don't think that the uh, the dialogue really fits the the mood of the storytelling. <laughs> let's let's wrap this, Aaron, before it spoils. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're out of here. Bye, Bye. everybody.
Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.